So David, thank you so much for coming down today. Yeah, good to be here. We're here. We're here in Nashville at the NRV convention, and you were nice enough to come down and meet me here as I'm running around interviewing people, um, because I knew you were in town, and yeah. I'm in town. Normally, I'm in New York, and I, your story caught my eye for a lot of reasons. Obviously, I know your music, but I've been intrigued to hear this whole journey of combating human trafficking, and I think a lot of us have heard yeah. about human trafficking. Um, unfortunately, not enough of us. I think a lot of people are still very clueless about what it entails, mm -hmm. who it affects. But take me through how you became involved in helping fight this issue. The story goes back decades. I mean, the earliest I can remember hearing about human trafficking was from my mom telling me about Amy Carmichael, who would dye her skin with coffee and go into Hindu temples and rescue six-year-old girls from forced ritual prostitution. Um, and then this story lays dormant in me for a long time. And it was like in 2010, where we're playing a lot of festivals with the band, and I'm hearing about it a lot. But it still seemed kind of fringe. Like, what are these people talking about? And I had also been paying attention to Invisible Children, who was exposing mm -hmm. this warlord, Joseph Coney, who's kidnapping boys, forcing them to fight in conflicts. Um, and it was when my daughter asked me about that documentary that we watched, she said, Dad, why doesn't God protect these boys? Mm. That I started writing about it and really researching it and find out, man, this is awful. I cannot believe this happened in my lifetime. I can't believe there's more slaves today than any other time in human history. Isn't that mind That's mind-boggling. It is. That in 2018. Yeah. Three or four times as many during the days of the transatlantic slave trade. So I'm writing lyric, and as I write, I'm researching, I'm paying attention to Harriet Tubman's personal correspondence with Frederick Douglass. Oh, it's wow. It's just brilliant. Um, reading quotes from Willem Wilberforce, you, you know about this now. You can never again say you didn't know. So you're diving, you're diving deep on this. And I am because of lyric. I'm, I thought, man, my contribution to this is to write lyric. I want to shine a light on slavery. I want to get the word out in the same way Invisible Children shined a light on that warlord, Joseph Coney. Um, and as I'm researching it on a regular basis, I'm just being absolutely convicted and challenged by people that I look up to in the past. Martin Luther King Jr. says, now is a time for us to develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. And I think that quote alone pulled on my heartstrings so strong. I'm like, what am I doing? My daughter's quote, what am I doing? My mom told me about Amy Carmichael, and I'm like, here I have this platform, I have this ability, I'm going to write songs. And it was in a moment of convergence that I met Matt Parker from the Exodus Road. He didn't know I'm writing this album. I didn't know about his organization, and we have dinner here in Nashville, and he tells me about what he does. Tells me about the rescues, the raids, the investigations, the failed attempts, the corruption. And as he's talking, I'm like, Matt, I, I can't just sing about this. I got to join you. You got to take me with you. Would you, would you train me and take me with you? So, and when you say train me and take me with you, they go out and they rescue. Yeah. Right. So now you've deployed with them nine times. Yeah. Let's start with your first. Yeah. You, you get trained. What, well, before we even get it, like what is a, tr what is training involved in this process of going in to rescue people? Like what is that training involved? Well, Going in and rescuing is not, it's not this simple process. I, yeah, I can imagine. You're dealing with corrupt governments. You're dealing with corrupt p 
police, corrupt politicians, you're dealing with mafias and crime syndicates and brothel owners that might be small time, they might be big time, they might be connected to inter international crime syndicates. Wow. And so s a lot of my training was on the job, observing Matt and some of the other operatives and uh, shadowing them and joining them for, for, for nights of investigation. And sometimes we're working off of a tip. We're working off of the fact that we know there's people in this establishment that are underage because sex trafficking is when someone is selling someone else for sex and if there's fraud or force or coercion involved or if uh, the victim is a minor, that's what sex trafficking is. So we're going, we're looking in these rooms, we're using covert surveillance gear and equipment to find evidence of this. Um, but we cannot just run with these girls. That's against the law, it's against our best practices and it's not gonna contribute to, s to systemic change in the region. We're there to get that evidence and then partner with local authorities to go back in and make stings on those clubs and on those establishments that will hopefully lead to her freedom and and to the dismantling of the crime syndicates necessary that it's are intricate doing it. it's really yeah. intricate so the first time where did you go and what was what was it like i mean just describe it how long how long were you there i'm just yeah. I, I have so many questions about <laughs> about this because i've known a few people who have done it but i've never actually asked them what the pro what that process is so take me through it so my first my first trip was mostly in the major cities of Southeast Asia because sex tourism is so prevalent in Southeast Asia. People fly from all over the world. You meet a lot of white guys, Westerners. There's girls from Africa being sold on the street. And I did so many different things. I sat in a lot of meetings with law enforcement that we help with technology. But the first time going into a club, you cannot imagine I cannot put into words what it feels like after writing all this lyric getting prepared for this I didn't I thought I knew what it would feel like but there's no way to describe what it's like to sit down with somebody that's for sale there's a shy girl that doesn't look you in the eye we use Google Translate to communicate and she's there it's her first week maybe um, I'm pretending to be just like all the other guys that come into that club. I'm pretending to be there to, to take her for an hour and to talk with somebody else, to sit across the table from somebody and in broken English, using Google Translate, find out how much it would cost to spend an hour with this 14-year-old girl. That's really man, devastating. It changes everything just like that. And so when you went on the first... Um I don't know if mission is the right word for it. How long were you there? How First time it was yeah. two weeks. Two weeks. And generally when I go over, it's usually about two weeks. So you would meet, you would talk mm -hmm. through Google Translate. Then what happens? You sit in the club, you, ha you hang out, your customer. Um, there might be rooms upstairs called short time rooms. Some girls are allowed to leave with, with you. Um, every situation is different. Sometimes we're just poking our heads in hotel rooms. There's, there's whole floors of a hotel that are hidden that... Uh, just for the purposes just of... Just for this purpose that you, they're owned by, you know, an Uzbeki or a Russian mafia, and you get escorted up an escalator to that hidden floor. So that's a weird situation, poking your head in. And as crass as it sounds, that you know, some people just window shop. That's essentially what's what it seems like we're doing. We're there, we're ch ch checking out what they have. And then we might go out and party some more, but we might come back later on. We might come back tomorrow. 
we make up some sort of excuse to leave with the evidence that we have collected. So you might, when you talk to <clears throat> one of the girls, let's say, yeah. they would give you some of that evidence, and would you try to find a way to ask them without yeah. letting them know that you're undercover? Are there ever times where you let them know that you're there to try to help them? In dreams. <laughs> I have a recurring dream where I'm out, and I just cannot contain myself. I have to let them know, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a punk. I mean, what's it like to, because in that moment, you're collecting the evidence, right? Yeah. And you then have to leave yeah. those people there. Yeah. Because you can't. I mean, you anybody who understands how this works under yeah. you would you gotta collect the evidence and have enough to go in, I would imagine, and dismantle it. Yeah. But then you leave that day, you make the excuse you get out. What's that like to leave knowing that for those moments those girls are gonna stay there until That is the worst thing I've ever had to do in my whole life. And I've done it hundreds of times now. You have this connection with this delicate beautiful tender child because she's a child as elegant as she is with makeup she still has that tenderness like a child and you you find out her story you find out that she's from the hill country maybe her dad's a farmer she misses her sister she misses the simplicity of her life in the countryside she misses her mom um, maybe she's older, maybe she's 18 or 19 and has a child back home that she sent her money to. Maybe she's from, from Uganda or Kenya and she's sending money home and they took her passport. You find these things out. Um, and then you get up, you pay for the drinks, you tip the girl for her time, you tip the, the mama-san and you leave and say you're gonna come back. But the first time I had to do that was with a girl named June. And just the, the profound sorrow is un, undescribable. She's just a, a girl that should be in middle school or freshman in high school, maybe at most. And I look back and there she is. And we had, we, our eyes met for, for a little bit and I was fumbling with this money. It's hard to pay in another country sometimes, converting the money and and uh, it just really threw me off seeing her there. With June, I was hopeful that this raid would happen and it happened and somebody tipped it off a couple months later. But the reason I love telling June's story in this context so much is we went back like um, six months after that and June was rescued in a raid. But six months though, six months of her still having to stay in that. So it took an addition. That was going to be my question for you. How long, like you're there for two weeks, how often is it that a raid would happen in those two weeks in like the two weeks you're there yeah they happen they do and i've been part of some i've been part of failed raids that get tipped off that's the worst we spend all this time and resource and effort we're there you know exposed vulnerable and it's dangerous too i would imagine i mean this is are you worried about your safety when you do this i don't think i don't think about it it's just something that we have to it's something that's there Right. Tra- traveling abroad is, is not safe in general. Um, hanging out in places like this is not safe. They're not, they're seedy places. Um, and then, and then, and then specifically going after the bottom line of a, of a organized crime syndicate. It's insanity. I mean, it, and it, it's amazing that you're doing it. It's insane that people are, are so evil, that they have so much evil in them that they would do this, right? That they would yeah. make a profit off of people. 
Yeah. I mean, and that they would manipulate kids and abuse them. It's unbelievable to me. Now, June, do you know where June ended up? So I don't know specifically, but the Exodus Road, we partner with a lot of NGOs, nonprofits, non-government organizations that will help place um, girls into into aftercare shelters and where there's rehabilitation, where there's repatriation if there's needed to be, and if that makes sense, where there's uh, long-term care. And, and um, one that I'm really excited about is called Agape International in Cambodia. And they um, have a cake-making shop, and these girls can move up into different management positions, but they make all my band's T-shirts. Um, they have a school there. for. My church is working there. It's interesting that you bring that wow. up in New York. And they're working in Cambodia, and they're taking a trip in a couple months back. My pastor goes a bunch, a few times with a agape, year. or do you I, know? when you, I don't know. Often, okay. but when you said it, it like sparked it in my head. So now yeah. I got to go back and ask because yeah. that's that's really interesting. I mean, this has been a passion of my churches. Yeah. That's really interesting. It sounds very familiar. so. There's a lot of organizations like that, and sometimes it's government care. But we want to find, we want to, right. we have these coalition partnerships that we want to get them, and people that we trust. We know they're doing good work. And the, and, and the thing that's unique about Agape International Missions is they have a rescue and a sting operation team because operations in Cambodia are a little different. It works differently. I think I think something along these lines, a court clerk accompanies them on their raids. So what he sees counts as evidence in court. Oh, that's really interesting. Brilliant. Yeah. And some of the places I work in Southeast Asia and definitely in Latin America doesn't work that way. We need the, the law enforcement to go back in and, and follow up on our evidence that <coughs> we've collected. The first year you did this, when was the first time? 2014. So you've done this nine times in just yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Um, what What is the most difficult, because you talked about in general, the most difficult thing you've ever done, which is leaving, knowing yeah. that it could be some time until these people are rescued. What's the, is there a particular story or person, and maybe it was June, maybe you already said it, but that stuck with you the most and haunted you the most during this? There was another girl whose name's hard to pronounce, but it starts with an N. And it was her first night or her first week. Oh, wow. This girl, and as soon as I saw her come into the room, I knew that, I mean, that's who we're there for. Um, and I have her come sit down with me. You ask for a girl by her number on her bikini top. And a lot of times the person selling them doesn't even know their name. And she's sitting with me. I think her number is 13 or 30. And uh, she had braces. And she is obviously scared of me. Like, she's scared to sit with me. She's scared to talk to me. And so I, 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 we, we, we do this work and we do it with as, in as kind of ways we can. You know what I mean? And, and, and we have to pretend to be those guys, but there's a way to do it and and maintain the dignity of these girls and but in that environment it's just so shocking to, to see it this girl in this environment that we're in and so i say to the woman that's selling her it's like how how much would it cost and it's somewhere around 50 or 60 dollars usd and but then they have an argument in their language and i don't can't tell what's going on other than she's talking to her about her going with me and she's saying no repeatedly for a good two or three minutes this argument and so my translator the next day I play back that conversation that I videotaped and she's sitting Indian style on the top of a hotel watching that with my 
ear my my apple earphones in and she's just repeating back the conversation to me and this is horrific and it's really stuck with me she's saying i don't want to go with that man and the response is you have to go with him the bar owner demands that you go with that man and she's saying no and she's shaking her head i don't want to go with him i thought i could just dance i thought i could just sell drinks no eventually you're gonna have to start going with the customers she's like no no i don't want to and that's when she turns to me in english and says come back in 10 days or so and we'll have it ready for you and I think the story of this girl is the story of so many of these precious children that by some collision of circumstances, she finds herself as part of a mass migration of the daughters and the sons of the countryside down into the major cities. They've been tricked. They've been forced. Their parents have been tricked. They've been offered a, a loan that failed. The daughters, the collateral for, for the loan, or the parents even invested to get her down to the major city to have work so she could send money home and maybe that was what that conversation was about you have to pay back your father's debt for some reason she wow. was being held to the fire for her dad's debt and was she ever was that uh was there ever a raid on that place there was it, it was unsuccessful and wow. she's in the wind i don't know where she is oh man when are they ever do they ever question you why you know like when it it's hard to ask this question, but when you don't take them yeah. somewhere, you know, are there ever questions? You know, how do you, how are you convincing enough to find that balance? Because you mentioned that balance, yeah. and it's horrific to even ask the question. But you know, how do they ask that question of you? Like, why aren't you doing yeah. this? Why aren't you? My brother Phil, when I first told him that I was thinking about doing this, he's like, "Man, you are one of the shiftiest people I know. You can't <laughs> maintain eye contact. You're gonna stick out like a sore thumb." Well, it turns out those are the kind of punks that go into these places. Right. They're shifty. Right. There, there's something broken in someone that, that goes and does that and engages yeah. in that. And so that way I don't stick out as much. Um, in, but I do maybe because I am much more kind, you know, and right. I'm not handsy, obviously. And there, you see these t awful things happening right in the room that you're sitting in. Um, but you just make up excuses and we have decent excuses. A lot of them seem pretty obvious, but there's others that make a lot of sense. You just say, hey, something came up. We got to go. Or your friend, you know, there's always right. a wingman that can pull you out of a weird spot. Right. I mean, you go into this with you've planned it. You've yeah. planned it very well. Um, so nine. And we're time. never alone. I, I should say we're n I'm never in a place like this alone. OK. You know, I'm, and I'm if we do take a girl, um, if there's a reason to take her out, th there's never a situation where 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 we're that vulnerable where we're, where we're in this you know yeah. there's always a team in place there's always a plan there's all and and our <coughs> and our technology that is pretty remarkable what we're able to do with this technology when you take a girl out do you can you tell them more then i mean is there is there a time that you would would say to them you know i'm this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it or is that just too risky we've never done yeah, it yeah you've never done it I want to. I mean, that's. I, I want mean, it's to. risky. I mean, because, that would be because imagine how many people think that I'm that guy now, right? These girls that, you know, I've, I've lied to, and I just want it. But I, I have a strong belief, and an expectation that in another life I'm going to meet these girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, in another life, I'm going to I'm going to meet them on the other side. And be able to have that conversation, and let them know, and let them know who I really am. Wow. Um, you've done this nine times. Yeah. How many more times are you going to do it? I don't, I don't know. I have, I have plans, um, for this year. I want to go back down to Latin America. 
where the Exodus Road is working in America. I'd like to work here. That's people don't realize. I mean, I've seen estimates of 300,000 Americans yeah. being trafficked. Yeah. And or people in America being trafficked. So a lot of it is coming from overseas because it's vulnerable people. It's people that uh, are taking employment overseas that are most vulnerable, especially if, if, if they're brought here illegally. But, but, and then our daughters are, are being trafficked here, too. And people ask that question. 300,000 in America seems like a ton. Well, there's 10 countries responsible for like 90% of those 40 million people that are impacted by slavery. And the Exodus Road is in four or five or six of those countries. Man. What's your message to Christians and Americans in general, but specifically Christians, about how they should or can or really should be pitching in to do something to help this like what can people do not everybody can go overseas right so what can people do well at concerts i put myself in a weird spot because the whole album if you listen to the north star and commodity but especially the north star is saying hey where are you where's your light seated on a hill where, why don't you shine your light we are just sitting on storehouses of kerosene and yet we got this this little candle covered with a bushel. I think it's such a solution to so many of the issues, the even even the PR issue that church people have in our country, right? We have we have bad optics. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have poor representation. Yeah. This could fix that. What if they knew us by our love? What if they looked and they saw, what, hey, what's that group of people that always goes there on Sunday? What, what, are, they, what are they about? Oh, Here's what they're about. They're rescuing slaves. They're taking in refugees. They're feeding hungry people. They're clothing. I mean, that's what they do. And then they also have these services on Sunday. I don't know what it's about. I want to right. I want to go find out what compels these people to live with this unselfish laying down of our lives in service to somebody else. And then they'll see, well, it's because our, our, our king laid down his life for us. I really think it solves a lot of things, specifically with trafficking. There's people that are going to be drawn to different areas of justice, mercy, and compassion. And the Exodus Road is about intervention. We go in and we rescue, whereas some people, like we talk about with Agape International Mission, doing the aftercare, other organizations are doing prevention. And you're going to be drawn, if you are drawn to this area, to one of those areas more than the other. Just educate yourself. We need um, awareness. We need to fund these organizations. The Exodus Road needs funding. The, the funding will then go uh, and be directly correlated with rescuing more people. The harvest is plentiful. But then I've seen really, really creative, unique things. Like, it's as extreme as we play a concert and we recruit people to go over. And wow, one of them's like there for two years. He's an ex-master wow. sergeant in the military, in the Army. Broke his back and shot out of a helicopter in Afghanistan. He's there and in Southeast Asia with his family. He, he raised his own funds. And that's, wow. There's four of those guys. But then something as simple and equally important, like the widow's might, right, as a child that came up to me after a concert and said, we're, we're listening to your songs, and my family raises money, and we hunt wolves and ref rescue princesses. <laughs> <laughs> and she's doing something, and it's significant. A, a girl ran a 5K in stiletto high heels, Oh, wow. Bleeding feet carried wow. across the finish line by somebody else. There's a prom night to fight in Missouri. This group of kids that has donated their prom to to supporting the Exodus Road. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, listen, this has been amazing. We're going to make sure we link out to the music yeah. that we link out to the Exodus Road. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you telling your story. I, it's, it's, I could go on for three more hours with you yeah. about the ins and outs. I definitely want to have you back to talk more about this. Cause I, I think that. it's an issue we just are not talking enough about. Yeah. And a lot of us want to live in bubbles. And <laughs> my wife, who I love dearly, you know, she's one of those bubble people. But lately yeah. she's been seeing things and she's like, there's a lot going on in this world yeah. and you can't live in that bubble you've got to we've got to be out there you know and I'm a little rough around the edges and i tend to pop bubbles if you uh. <laughs> hey it's good i mean i'm that way too i'm like no you gotta like here's five headlines you need to know about yeah. i'm like this is what's going on it's like stop telling and i me. gotta say man these headlines it is hard it is because you're pulled in so many different areas you're inundated but the response it's easy to turtle up and put your turtle shell in totally and, uh what has been so rewarding to me and i mean this i want it not just for 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 people that are enslaved and people that are running from war and exile. I want it for you. I want it for whoever's hearing this. It's going to change your life. Do something small and do it with the confidence that your fives and loaves, your five loaves of bread and your two fish matter. Have confidence in that because you got this microphone, you got this platform. I have microphones and I use it at 110 decibels. Sometimes it feels like no one's listening, like the fight's making no difference at all. But whatever you have to offer, to yeah. justice, mercy, and compassion. Just give that. It's going to seem insignificant. But you know what? Insignificant, seemingly insignificant things matter so much to the king. Yeah, absolutely. And this it's how he's working today. I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.